Ari Montanese made of Simmerate Pyramids here. And you're listening to Skadad's podcast. Everywhere you can find it. Internet, not net, everywhere. Just listen. Check it out, man. Welcome to another episode of the Ska Dads Podcast. I am joined by a special guest today. You just introduce yourself and uh, kind of share what's going on. Hey, Bobby. Great to be here. Uh, again, uh, my name is David Saunier. I'm a local uh, reggae musician. been playing reggae and ska bands since, boy, about 1990 it is now with a <laughs> wow. variety of bands in the Baltimore area. And uh uh, happy to be here and talk to you about that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm super psyched because you have so you have a solo album, solo project. So why don't you talk a little bit about this new project? Well, this this actually was a solo album in the truest sense. I did everything on this one. I didn't. Uh, it was kind of like a uh, my first foray into sort of home studio recording and and, and working that stuff out. So I I uh, what it is is uh, a reggae version of uh one of my favorite albums tom petty's wildflowers album um i didn't do the whole thing i did about 10 tracks off of it out of the i think 25 or so that they recorded in those sessions and so yeah it was a project in arranging right uh you know reworking those songs to to be in a reggae style and then uh and then uh recording and mixing in the whole process it was uh, a great uh great a lot of fun and a great learning experience for me yeah, what, what made you pick what made you pick that wildflowers album like what what stuck out to you on that <sighs> well yeah it's a great question because obviously he's got so many great songs so many great albums um you know i i actually became an, an avid fan of tom petty much more recently in life i've always sort of been a casual fan of his and I, you know i knew the hits over the years as they came out on radio and mtv and all of that kind of stuff and um, but it wasn't until I started listening to Tom Petty radio that I really got in deep to Tom Petty and became a humongous fan listening to him nonstop. And around the time I started doing that, a couple of years ago, the, the, the Tom Petty radio station was doing sort of a special on Wildflowers because they had just released the documentary on YouTube that's out on Amazon Prime now, um, Somewhere You'll Be Free, which is about the making of the Wildflowers album. So. They were playing a lot of tracks from it. They were uh, sharing interviews from uh, musicians and, and family members and friends and all of that other musicians who had covered tracks. And uh, so I got sort of uh, really into that record then, bought it immediately and, and, and listened to it nonstop. For, for me, 
Wildflowers is, um, it's sort of the epitome of what I and, and, and most fans of Tom Petty, I think, love about him the most, which is his incredible songwriting. Um, <clears throat> he, he was, I guess, going through a divorce at the time he wrote these songs or about to become divorced at the time. And, and the way he sort of put his heart out there into the writing on this album was just, it made the album so much deeper, so much more poignant and the songwriting so incredible to me. And of course the, the music is always great. And this was the first time he also had um, Rick Rubin as a producer who is an absolute genius. And, and that really shows as well um, on how all the tracks turned out. Yeah, that's that's funny. You mentioned that document documentary somewhere. You feel free because I I, I r- randomly just watched it probably about two weeks ago before we started. We uh-huh. even set up this interview, yeah. and I was like, oh, you, you know, the, and that album of Tom Petty. You know, I think the whole Rick Rubin thing. It was it was a producer that he wasn't necessarily familiar with because the Heartbreakers right. worked with, you know, uh, Jimmy Iovine. Yeah, they had their own guy just like the yeah. Beatles did, yeah. and the, the, you didn't. They yeah. didn't really, st- you know. And, and even the Heartbreakers, like he brought in other people to record on this album. He brought, he did bring in some of the Heartbreakers, but it was still mostly the Heartbreakers, <laughs> but yeah, he did. But it was different. He had different people in the group and the, yep. the, even I think it was it the bass player that ended up joining the Heartbreaker or no, the drummer ended up joining the, the heart drummer, Steve Ferroni. Yeah. Yeah. He, he auditioned, um, blindly. He got flown in, I guess from England or wherever he was at the time, yeah. flown in blindly. His agent said, Hey, well-known band wants to audition audition you and he came in and, and Tom Petty as soon as he heard him was like that's that's the one we need and Steve Ferroni was a part of the Heartbreakers from then on until Tom Petty's death a few years ago yeah that's, that's really cool I, so have you ever gotten a chance to see Tom Petty I have never yeah. I never did get the chance to see Tom Petty yeah. live unfortunately and of course I lament that so grievously yeah. now um, that he's gone yeah I, I did I did get a chance <clears throat> I, I, I think it was like I don't know if it was his last tour or second to last tour it was right after the last album was released and we oh, we got wow. we got to see him and it was it was kind of like a spectacle. It's like one of those things like like I've seen Paul McCartney, I've seen you know big yeah. bands, small bands and small clubs and and it was it was like a bigger stadium, an outdoor venue, and it was just but it, you know those songs like there's something about Tom Petty's songs and music that kind of transcends all genres and it's 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 like the Beatles, but in some ways I think it's even more relatable because. It, you know, the Beatles stuff sometimes has an air around it that, that Tom Petty's like, you, you you could have a beer with Tom Petty, it feels like, like after he got off stage. Tom Petty is every man. Yeah. He's every man. And that, that's that's a lot of what I think, you know, uh, reaches so many people with his writing. And, and um, you know, that was, aside from me just appreciating the music and and performing it and arranging it as, as a musician, as a way to sort of appreciate the music at a deeper level, I was... I was secretly hoping that some of his songwriting, you know, magic would rub off on me somehow, <laughs> you know, that I that I would be able to be a little bit better by, you know, understanding his songs and spending that amount of time with them that, that maybe I would get a little bit better myself as a songwriter. Yeah, and arranging and orchestrating, like even, even if it's like not a song you wrote is still... That's a skill set upon itself as a musician. Not every musician can do it. That's, that, that itself, like the whole arrangement process, like I'm sure that was... That was fun. Yeah. 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 I mean, listen, I'm a saxophone player and a keyboard player, and I sing, you know, in the bands that I've performed with. I've played a little bit of guitar in the past, but I'm definitely not a guitar player. But um, writing bass lines, 
figuring out drum parts, you know, the fills and the beats and all of that kind of stuff, just based on my experience playing in bands and being in bands, reggae bands over the years, was so much fun for me sort of delving into those uh, instruments that, that I really didn't uh, get to do in the past. And so the arrangements, you know, bass, as you know, is is so crucial to reggae music, more so than, than often it is in, in, in rock and roll music. The parts are a lot more interesting, a lot more melodic um, than just holding down the, <clears throat> the root of each chord on the beat that often happens in rock music. So that was a lot of fun. You know, um, some songs that I didn't end up uh, including on this, I just wasn't super happy with how they were going. But even I was trying to turn songs that were in three, four into a reggae song, you know. <laughs> so first thing you got to do is get them in four, four time yeah. and then try and work it out there. But um, there was a, a lot of different aspects of it that I hadn't really done as a musician before as a result of, you know, arranging these songs myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it was hard just to pick, you know, because you, you were saying you, you had to pick 10 tracks, you picked 10 tracks from that album. And it's like, and I, I think even with the reissues, they even have so many other like tracks too that you could you could have chosen from too with with all the reissues. Well, t- two of them, yeah, two of the ten are from uh, Wildflowers and all the rest, which came out uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. As I mentioned, that's when they were talking about it all. That's the other thing; it wasn't just the documentary. It was when Wildflowers and all the rest came out that I was hearing all about it. And um, so, yeah, there were I think twenty five tracks that they sort of finished in those sessions. 15 made it on the original Wildflowers. Uh, but I, I did two tracks that, that did not make it. They made it on a different Tom Petty record, uh, movie soundtrack he did, um, or at least one of them did. But I did uh, Leave Virginia Alone and California were a couple of songs that didn't make it on the original Wildflowers release that I, that I did as part of my project. Yeah, was it hard? Was, was there any track on the, on the 10 you're releasing now that you just, you know, did any of them, like, have like a challenge around getting them into like a reggae version like is there yeah, one that kind of sticks yeah. out <clears throat> so the one that sticks out is is gonna be track number one on on the release um and that's time to move on um and really one of my favorite songs um both musically and and for the the, the songwriting and lyrics of it but i i spent time with that you know, over the course of some weeks and and just put it down. I was like, this isn't working out. I don't like how it sounds. Um, and it was probably months later that I was like, ah, I love this song so much. I got to figure out a way to do it. I picked it up and 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 really the key for me was coming up with a bass line. Um, and I just couldn't figure something out the first time through that, that made that song work for me. And the second time through, I came up with something fairly quickly that I liked and, and everything kind of just falls into place. After that, you know, again, bass being so crucial in reggae music, once I had that figured out, I, I felt like I could make that song work. Baby, 
conscientious objector, now her own protector. A broken skyline, which way to love land, which way to something better, which way to forgiveness, which way do I go? And I, I think the coolest thing about this project too, there aren't a lot of Tom Petty covers that have ever been done in like reggae before. So this is this is kind of a unique thing, like you know, because I, there's bands like Easy Star All Stars, which are like cover bands, and they've done you know the Pink Floyd, Beatles. Right. Um, I, I I've heard I, David Bowie was their latest, but I, I and I've I haven't really I've only heard like maybe my expansive knowledge of like reggae and sky, I would say I only can maybe count maybe like two Tom Petty covers I've ever heard before. And definitely no, none of the songs off wildflowers either out of those. Well, I, the only one I've ever heard is off of wildflowers. And it's what started this whole project for me. Actually, it was, you don't know how it feels. Um, and when I started listening to Tom Petty radio and getting really into it, I was like, I've got to figure out some song to cover and bring to the players band to play. That's the, reggae and ska band that one of the bands i'm in now and i settled on you don't know how it feels because i felt like the groove for that was steve ferroni's drums which sound like a just a crucial hip-hop drum break the way he plays those drums so hard on that song and the bass line um really lend itself to reggae already i'm like all right so this is the one so so I, I, I laid down a mock-up of that to bring to the players, and and that's really what started this project for me. I didn't intend to make a whole record's worth of Tom Petty covers at first. I was just like, I want to make one so I can bring it to the players. And I was like, well, that was a lot of fun. So I just started doing some more. And the players have played uh, live, played that, that cover live. We played it all summer this summer. It was a lot of fun. Um, I've heard one other reggae band play play that same cover as well yeah. i think it was uh slightly stupid if i'm not mistaken i think it was they, i think they just did it on a whim it was maybe the day or the week that tom petty had passed away and so they they, they played it live on stage and i saw a, a video of that and they did a nice job with it too yeah I, i've heard someone like uh, dave hillard from the slackers he he had i think they did uh, i, I want to say maybe free falling um uh-huh. or no maybe america I, american girl and then the pie tasters do one too um do they? Listen, listen to her heart. Oh, they do. Yeah. How do I not know? Yeah, that? they don't play it. They don't. They don't play it that much. Um, but I'll, <clears throat> I'll. That's a great song. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll send it to you. But they, they did it more when um, Jorge uh, was in the band playing yeah. bass um, because he he yeah. brought that okay. to the table. I think as, ah, as a song. It's a great so, tune. But, I didn't know they did. But that I, it, it must. It, I don't think they've probably played it in probably like a decade, maybe longer. Yeah. So. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, you, you did mention the players. So how how long have you been playing with the players? And the players, for anyone who doesn't know, they're like a. I would say they're Baltimore's ska supergroup, right? Like probably there we a go. good way I'll to describe that. them. Yeah. 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 The players have been around since I think 1999. Yeah with a lot of different members coming and going. And, and yeah, the, the current iteration of the players has been members from Jaw Works, Pie Tasters, uh, Loving Paupers, Bonnets, Forwards, Loving Paupers, yeah. Scotch Forwards. Bonnets. Yeah, you, so could go, you could probably you have... know how incestuous <laughs> the, the Baltimore reggae scene yeah. is. We're all kind of playing with one another in their bands. U- Unity, of course, so. too, right? Like Unity, of yeah. course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, so I've been playing, I, you know, 
I've known them forever. Um, before they were even the players, they were a band called Mobtown Beat uh, when a couple of them, the Schneider boys, were, were just kids. And, they, uh, um, they, not to interrupt you, but they played my 16th yeah. uh, birthday party because uh, I, I went to <laughs> I go. went to high school. I went to high school <laughs> with Andy and Dan, and um, I, I was I was there a year go. apart from Dan. So so they actually so sometime yeah. around then yeah. when you were 16 and I was already yeah. a grown man. Yeah, uh, uh, we were we were rehearsing in the same studio uh, space, Studio 14, out on in, in West Baltimore, yeah. and um, so we, they sort of stuck their heads into our rehearsal space one night. We met them and. And, uh, you know, once they released a couple of albums, Andy reached out to me because he knew I was a graphic designer and had me do the, the album art for, you know, a few of their albums. So, um, uh, Hate the Game and a couple of others that I did for them, Halftime, which is my favorite record of the players. Um, and then, you know, every once in a while, somebody couldn't make it to a player show. Um, you know, there's, you know, of the three horn players, there's always, you know, an issue with somebody it seems and so i would get a call from andy or nick or dan or somebody like that to say hey can you fill in so i, I filled in for them going back probably oh 15 or more years um it wasn't until i don't remember what year it was maybe 2018 2019 that i kind of joined the players full time and, and started gigging with them all the time yeah and uh so so and and then before before that i guess too you were also there's a band the forwards too right the forwards, yeah, I, I joined the forwards, I don't know, kind of around the same time. Um, you know, again, just started with, you know, me going to check out a forward show or two and then, you know, bringing my horn along and sitting in. And then next thing you know, I get a get a call from Sila saying, hey, we'd love for you to join the band. And uh, so I've been playing with them ever since. And that's that's been a lot of fun in the forwards. Uh, another sort of reggae band, do, do some dance hall as well. You know, covers a lot rock steady. Covers a lot of sort of Jamaican music styles uh, with both Sila uh, and and Jade Tremba uh, doing a lot of the lead vocals. Um, our last release called Holomedi, named after sort of a, a, a reggae jam session that Sila had has been doing for years. Um, I, I wrote a few songs for that and, and, and sang on that as well. Um, but yeah, that I, I joined both of those bands probably within a year of of leaving Unity Reggae Band, which you you brought up before, which was my first foray into reggae. In fact, when I joined Unity, which was ah, decades ago, let's see, it was probably '89 or '90 yeah. when Unity was formed. My my, my good friend Mark Leary, uh, you know, went to high school with him and his wife Meredith, sister Murph. Um, I've been, I've known Mark since middle school. We, he, he says on stage whenever he introduces me, I've been playing with this guy since the sixth grade. And he's not wrong about that. Um, so yeah, I, I started in Unity when he formed that band. It, it was formed under the name Natty Skank. And then a few years later, we changed the name to Unity Reggae Band. I was in that band for 30 plus years, um, just play, playing uh, reggae music with them for a long time, a few different albums and having a great time. Um, and so it was about, you know, I, I, I finally left that band and then, uh, you know, within a year I, I joined up with the forwards and the players just to keep that music bug alive. Yeah. And I, I re I'll just share like a story because I, re I remember the first time I heard Unity, I was probably in high school and it was probably right around the same time because uh, 
Dan Dan shared a tape of yours that he, he or I, I think it was a tape. It was probably a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Probably was that he got <laughs> that he got from uh, Joe Ross. So J- Joe Ross gave it to Dan, oh, and, right and then so all of us were like, check out. There's this really awesome reggae band from Baltimore called <laughs> Unity, and that's you know that's that that was really cool that. You know, I and, and that's a cool thing about the community in, in Baltimore, like the reggae scene, like the ska scene, people know each other and you yeah, know no doubt. Th- th- those connections that you've had, like, you know, with Mark, you get to play with Mark like decades yep. later in the players band, and it's like that cool connection. Hey, you know, I still play with them in Unity from yeah. time to time. It's kinda like the mafia, you know, you're <laughs> never all the way out. You know, so yeah. Mark knows he'll, he'll he'll cherry pick a gig or two and say, hey, you want to join us on that if it's close to my house or a particularly cool gig or whatever. He still reaches out or when they're recording. So always really appreciate that and getting back to play with them. But uh, on the last players album called uh, Scamorgasbord, I didn't uh, I didn't write any music except for one. There was a song the players had in their back pocket called the players anthem and they had the music going. But but the band wanted to do something different with the vocals. And so I wrote and sang on that. And I I decided to turn that into sort of an ode to the Baltimore reggae and ska scene, just kind of a a way to shout out all the different friends and bands and everybody that are, that are part of the scene. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool. I I love that album too. That was, I I was glad they, cause I I think it's important. Like bands go through so many different phases and changes that it's Mm -hmm. important to get into the studio to kind of document that before, other people leave, you know? So, so I think that smorgasbord album is just a cool, you know, timestamp of, Hey, this is the players band from the last like five years. And these are all the people that have been playing really with was. us. And that that's a good way to put yeah. it. Cause it was like, it was kind of safer. A couple of songs. It was just like, okay, what are the best songs we've been playing live for the last bunch of years? Yeah. You know? And even some that went back a long ways. Yeah, like, some of the um, covers like loving cup. I think you guys were playing probably <clears throat> well, sure. a long, long time. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I think there's like six or seven different people singing lead vocals on that record. So that was a lot of fun. We had Steve from the Pie Tasters and Natty Rock from Jaw Works in there as well. And then Mark, Mark Leary and Joe Ross sang. And of course, Dan sang and I sang on one and and, and Lady Hatchet, Kristen Forbes sings uh, on it as well. So we kind of got everybody in there, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, that's definitely cool. Well, well, you know, this project, uh, just to go back to the Tom Petty project, you know, I, I... I think it's so cool that that XM station, um, you know, about Tom Petty is still going. And that's a cool thing. <clears throat> like his show buried, it was buried treasure, right? Like that was buried yeah. treasure. Exactly. It, yeah. it was, yeah. I, I, I was, I'm a huge fan of like just radio shows in general. And I think that's like a lost art nowadays and podcasting is wonderful and cool. Like I'm, I do a podcast, so, but yeah. it's, it's not the same as like the, the free form style of radio. And, uh, you know, Bob Dylan also had a show, and um on, on xm but i i always like tom petty's show because he he really broke things down and and the music it, it, it you could hear in his music all of his influences and it, it was like you know you yep. could connect it to chuck berry the blues jazz american like pop everything. soul everything you know everything but what it, it does it does it does creep me out a little bit that the show is still going on and sometimes you can hear um you know his voice on on a show like, well, every, every show yeah, yeah I mean, he's on and talking and i you know i can see how it creeps you out yeah. i love it you know it's just like uh it's like it's comforting yeah. to hear him talking again and it feels like he's not even gone you know yeah uh, when you think about it too much it's a little little sad or creepy or whatever but i i, I love hearing him talk he's a he's a funny guy um the other thing that's really interesting about him is you hear him talk as a dj on the radio his voice is very low yeah you hear him sing he can sing low, but his his range goes really high, and it's really 
they don't really match up, you know, his speaking voice and his singing voice. And I've always been kind of amazed by that because my, my speaking voice is pretty low and my singing voice is pretty low. I don't, I don't have much of a range. Yeah, he does. Yeah, the, I, the, the radio voice is definitely different. I've, I've definitely noticed that. And, and another another documentary I saw about Tom Petty, he talks, he talked about. I I don't think it was in the one that we were we were referencing earlier. There was another one. I think it was mainly about his time in the Heartbreakers and 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 so, that epic one. What uh, that like four hour? <laughs> it's one? really long. Yeah, but there's there's uh, a was, uh, yeah. there's a part in, yeah. and he talks about mm-hmm. like losing everything because of due to like a huge house fire, and he lost like old tapes and demos. And, mm. and just like, I remember like some of that, like him talking about, like, it was a good time for him to just kind of let go and move on. And he, he's like, I lost all this stuff that, you know, that some people would say would have meaning, like some parts of your life is lost, like definitely photographs and things like that. You can't sure. get back. But at the same time, he's like, but we were all safe. Like my family was safe. So in, mm. in, in the real aspect of things, I didn't really lose anything and it helped me just move on and move forward. So you know, stuff like that, like some of his insight on things, I always found it to be really interesting. And there's so much info so about wise. it, you know, so I'm, I'm really, th- this project sounds really cool. And I'm super psyched to have you on to talk about it. Are, are you releasing like vinyl copies? Is it, is it just going to be digital? No, I, I'm just doing it digital. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we'll never know what the future Yeah, until holds, maybe, maybe someone will hear this show and say, you know what, I want to <laughs> release this. And it's going to yeah, be the key. Yeah. This is, this is the flashpoint yeah. right here. But uh, I super appreciate you letting me come on and talk about it. Yeah, I would sure. love. So, so was there any challenge? Like, did you ever thought about bringing like other people in to do drums and other instruments that you weren't necessarily like your something you were yeah, comfortable I mean, with? You know, yes and no. I mean, obviously, I know so many talented musicians who undoubtedly would have made this project even better had I invited them in. <laughs> Folks who are really proficient on guitar and drums and bass, instead of me fumbling through the best I can. But there was something about just being able to come down to my home studio anytime I want, work on it anytime I want, the convenience of that, not having to work out the logistics, you know, and 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 having sort of all the creative decisions be up to me. There was something that was kind of interesting and fun yeah. for me about that. Um, just just something to try out, you know, um, where, where I got to do everything from soup to nuts, arrange it, perform it um uh, uh mix it the only thing i didn't do was master it which i sent off to my brother uh to master for me um, but of course i don't play drums i don't play bass i don't own drums and i don't own a bass so i did those as midi yeah. instruments on this record but you know i banged them out in real time you know the bass i played on the keyboard and everything drums i tapped out on my laptop keyboard yeah um and you know again those were some of the funnest parts for me because it was exploring a new aspect of music that i don't normally get to explore was there any song any song in particular that you struggled with like the vocals because like like uh (laughs) his songs are wordy they're not like they're not like you know a couple melodies here and there like well there's there's two things i will say about that one is some songs on wildflowers were non-starters because of the vocals it was like he either sings really high and i already mentioned my range is not that high um, I just didn't think I could pull it off. Um, I think only one of the tracks I probably had to bring down a step um, so that I could sing it. And and there were a couple of parts that weren't super comfortable, but I figured, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll scream it out as best I can and get them in the mix and hopefully it'll sound okay. There was also one part in um, Leave Virginia Alone 
where um, he says, and this is just part of his beautiful, colorful uh, metaphors in his lyrics. He said, she was hot as Georgia asphalt. Um, and the, the next verse, he says, she was, she was high as a Georgia pine tree. And uh, singing Georgia asphalt, there was something about those two words strung together. I could not get it. I just, I kept tripping over it for whatever reason. And I changed the lyrics. I, I changed it to a Georgia sidewalk because it was easier for me to sing. <laughs> and also, and I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's funny that like the, those, sometimes those sound sounds together just create some interesting combinations. That, that was like a diphthong on top of a diphthong yeah. or something like that. I couldn't quite A triple thong, a, dip, a, a double diphthong. <laughs> yeah. You don't hear too many of those, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> So the two singles you have out right now are, are It's Good to Be King was the first single and then Wildflowers was the second one, right? Or no, other, other way yeah, around. Wildflowers yeah. was first. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Wildflowers was first. I put that out just, you know, it's a song that a lot of people know. I thought it would be a good sort of entry into into the project. It's it's definitely not my favorite one on the record of, of my versions. It's, it's an incredible song and maybe one of, definitely one of my favorites on, on his record. Um. But uh, I thought that was going to be sort of well emblematic of the project. And, and then uh, It's Good to Be King kind of felt like the most reggae, the most rootsy yeah. kind of song I did. And, and, and uh, you know, um, it felt like reggae. And, and, and so really to sort of make clear that this project was about playing Tom Petty as reggae, um, I thought that was a good one. Plus, it's the title track on the on the record. It's it's called "It's Good to Be King" and other wildflowers. So I thought that was a good one to put out. Uh, Did any of the songs change well. meaning for you after <clears throat> after singing them, recording them? Because I, you know, as as someone who listens to them, you know, I, I feel like when you record a song, it almost it's almost like you process it internally. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. What one thing I did on this project was um, try not to listen to Tom Petty's version. So I would I would listen to it, um, take notes on the song structure, make sure I got the chords figured out and everything, make sure I got the lyrics right and all that, and then turn it off and don't go back to it again until after I'm finished my version. Because um, I didn't want to have him over influence. I wanted I wanted my arrangements to, to have something from me 
in them instead of just sort of doing my best to replicate everything I heard. And certainly I wouldn't have even been able to replicate everything I heard. I'm no Mike Campbell on guitar, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so I, I tried to stay away from it as, as much as I could. And now when I listen to his versions, it's it's always fun to me to hear, oh, he, he, he did the inflection or the rhythm of that phrase this way. I did it this way, probably thinking I was doing it how he did it, but I didn't realize. And now that I hear his version, he did it a totally different way. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, that, that's a cool thing about covering music. You get this kind of ability to kind of like, you, you talked about changing stuff lyrically. And, and, you know, you definitely talked about the time signatures earlier. Were, were there any songs that you added? Like, not a lot of these songs had horn lines on them either, right? Like, was that, was that challenging? None of them did. Yeah. Yeah, none of them did. I'd say one song where I added the most, I actually didn't put horns in it. Um, um, well, going back to the horns first. So a, a song like um, You Don't Know How It Feels has a harmonica riff at the beginning and throughout and when i heard that song i was like oh that'll be great for the players to play as a horn section and so you know turn that into horns but the the, the one song where i feel like in a way i'm most proud of because i did the most um was don't fade on me uh, and if you know that song it is uh tom singing with he and mike campbell on some picking acoustic guitars um and that's it that's the entire that's the entire arrangement on Wildflowers. And so turning that into a reggae song, you know, I'm writing bass lines, I'm writing organ lines, I'm coming up with drum beats, adding in the chords. And so I'll, I'll take a little piece of what they picked on the guitar and turn that into a, a, a motive in, in, in my arrangement. I heard a really, really cool uh, little snippet with Mike Campbell about that. Again, when I was listening, they were doing all these interviews when when the re-release of that came out, he said it took him and Tom about a hundred takes to get those guitar picking parts the way they wanted it. And he said, but we stuck with it because he felt like the lyrics were so important. And boy, that song really, really hits you really hard. And so I, I knew I wanted to do that one. That was probably the third or fourth track I did. But yeah, I was kind of proud of that because there, was, there wasn't a lot to work with. There's an incredible amount from a song and a lyrical standpoint but musically there was only those two picking guitars which i wasn't really going to replicate so i kind of had to make up a lot uh of the arrangement myself
Yeah, that's really cool. Like so some of the things you've d- you did with the keyboards and 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 the horns on this recording are just like like one of my favorite tracks that, that you shared with me from the albums. Like you wreck me. Like that that version was. Mm-hmm. I, I love that's the original, but like your it's version of it, it, it it's it's like a whole different. It, it was almost like a recreated mix of it it was like something i was like i didn't expect the song to go this way and it, it, it just totally works that way you know so thank you yeah that arrangement. that was the first song i thought i was gonna cover with the players actually was yeah. you wreck me I, that was the first one i was considering and then when i started hearing you don't know how it feels i was like nah, that's the one yeah that's really cool yeah that was a fun one that's one of my favorite ones too that song just rocks really really hard yeah I'll tell you, the one I'm uh, about to release, the next single, or really the last single I'm going to put out before I release the whole record is Cabin Down Below. And that's that's probably my favorite track of all of them. Um, and uh, Dan Schneider, who you mentioned, he mentioned that was his favorite one as well. Um, it, something about the arrangement just came came together for me. It's a, it's a great song. Um, I've got the horns playing backbeats, you know, a lot of distortion going on in the song. So it feels nice and dirty. And uh, it just I, I like the vibe of how that one turned out. And it, I felt like it, you know, it was a good arrangement, but also matched the original vibe of the song and the feeling of the song of the original as well. <laughs> definitely um i I think a lot of people i I think a lot of people that like tom petty may discover this and just be really into it because it's so it fits in that tom petty mold like you were saying like like if you're a fan of his of his show on xm or anything like that like his appeal to people it's it is universal like so many people know tom petty and this album too is just like i i think a lot of ways it's uh i know that there's a documentary about it but it is kind of a hidden gem because it doesn't a lot of the songs on it when people think of Tom Petty, it's, you know, you don't have American girl, you don't have like Mary right. Jane's last dance on this, but, exactly. but there it's some of his best written material. I feel like, like with yep. the content and every, every time I hear wildflowers, that song just, it just hits you in a certain way. Oh man. Yeah. You, you know, it's, that's a really interesting song. <clears throat> I feel like it's been interpreted a lot of different ways musically, but also just people listening to it. You know, the, the, the other show frequent show on Tom Petty radio is the, uh, is the last DJ where yeah. fans of Tom Petty come and play their four or five favorite songs of his and talk about them a little bit. And, you know, invariably when someone 
picks wildflowers is one of their favorite songs. They they mention how they walked down the aisle at their wedding to that song, or it was something that their father played for the daughter, or you know, kind of a a, a love song kind of vibe. And and to me, that song is about heartbreak. Yeah. You know, knowing that he was going through divorce, and just in that context, listening to that song back, you know, the letting go. Um, of the relationship, letting go of 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 your 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 loved one counterpart, and the you know trying to be um, the big person, you know, and wishing them the best, and that sort of thing is is it's a heartbreaking thing to think about. And so for me, that song is so poignant as a result. And then time to move on, yeah. wake up time. All of the songs in this record really <laughs> hit you hard when you understand the context. Like you wrecked me. We we're just talking about that too. Like, I mean, that's not a song. That's not a love song at all. Like it's about yeah. just being like broken down yeah. and you know, but, but that's funny. Like people do that with all kinds of music. Like I think classic rock in particular, like, like Bruce Springsteen, like thun- people use Thunder Road all the time to when they get, and I was like, <laughs> how can, how can you walk down the aisle or, or do a first dance on Thunder Road? That is not like a cheerful or, song. Uh, every breath you take is another one. Like that, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, that it's stalker. stalker. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's like, <laughs> But, but it's like everyone's prom dance yeah. from high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, it's just funny how that works out. Yeah. I, I Well, this project's really cool. Do you, do you think you would do something, not necessarily another Tom Petty album, but would you do another solo record after? I, I don't know if the, this is too far removed yet. I know it's like a new thing you're coming to, but do you think you would do something like this in the future? I do. Um, you know, I, I definitely started writing songs after this. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of, like I mentioned, hoping that some of it would rub off on me and striking while the iron was hot. And uh, I'd pass them along to Andy Schneider and the players just to see what he thought. And he was like, oh, we're, we're going to do this. One. Oh, we're going to do this one. Before you know it, there's like three or four tracks that I wrote that are going to be on the next player's record. So, you know, as long as Andy keeps stealing them, that's going to make a solo record kind of hard. But no, I, I do plan on that. And I've got some other folks that, that I'm hoping to collaborate with on, on some other solo things. I will say a couple of the songs I wrote that, that we're going to do with the players. Um, definitely, I, I don't know whether the songwriting is better or not than what it was before I did the Tom Petty project. But 100%, the, the, the lyrics were way more blue collar than I've ever <laughs> written before. Some of that sort of everyman vibe of Tom Petty definitely rubbed off on me on the, on a couple of the songs that I, that I wrote. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, I think we all take in influences and I think a lot, a lot of, a lot of times I, I think our influences are what we read, what we write, what we listen to it, it, like what you watch on TV a movie you read or, or mm-hmm. a book you just read or a movie you just watched. Th- those little things have influences. So, so just immersing yourself in, in great stuff will often lead to like great art, you oh, know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost can't create art 
without, um, well, I don't think anyone creates art without those influences, but I almost can't start on a song without some real inspiration that got it going. You know, yeah. um, like you said, it could come from anywhere. I wrote a song for Unity way back in the day called Belly of the Beast after hearing somebody sort of reference that metaphor on an NPR interview, you yeah. know, or whatever. And that, that set that one off. And it's always something like that. The beast, prison of hypocrisy and shackles of deceit. Don't you know when the beast gets fatter? Oh, yeah, I said the people get madder. The crying out for justice, for justice and peace. The crying out for justice, for justice and peace. The crying out for justice, for justice and peace. The crying out for justice. Justice and peace. You see, let justice roll down like water, righteousness like a mighty and some, And then, of course, the reason I think no one makes art without influences is, you know, this all the stuff that you're not even realizing is influencing you. And I'll, it'll be years after a, a song I wrote or something I did, and I'm like, and I'll hear something else. I just heard a Kinks, a Kinks song the other day. Um, and I was like, oh, I stole that in this song <laughs> I did. I never even realized. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and those are great influences. And, and this kind of loops around to what we were talking about before. But like um, there was a book that Rick Rubin just released this year called The Creative Act. I don't know if, if you're familiar oh, with I got to check that out. Yeah, it's no, and it's and it's all, and I think one of the main um I heard someone else that does a ska podcast talk about it, and I picked it up like earlier this over the summer and got to read it. And it, it's going on my wish list. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely something to check out. But it's <laughs> but I think the the main takeaway from it is if you create art, the the main takeaway for you is to, is to share it. So if if, yeah. if you're an artist, like making a gallery to display your work, selling your work, or if you're a musician not like keeping your work just internally that in order for it to have life, you need to release it into the wild, no matter how scary it is. And you talk about yeah. your, pro this project, I'm sure there were some things, I mean, I'm sure it's scary releasing a solo album, right? Of course like, it is. Yeah, of course it is. I'm sure you had, yeah. did you have any moments Especially where you like, cause I did it all by myself, yeah. you know, it's like, I don't have anyone else to blame. Did you have moments when you were like, well, I, you know, maybe I'm just doing this for fun. I may not release this. What, what made you take well, that? Well, next that was step? the original intention. Yeah. I mean, I never intended on releasing it. And if I did, I wasn't going to like put it on actual distribution platforms. I was maybe just going to build a website and share it with friends and family and that sort of thing. Um, but and, and I did do that ahead of that. I was just was sharing random things. And, you know, people were very kind and, and were very nice with the response. And, and that gave me sort of the confidence um, to, to, to go ahead and release it. Um, that stuff about Rick Rubin is, is fantastic, though. Um, I, I have seen a lot of quotes of his that he's been putting out on social media that I think is probably, um, you know, came from the book yeah. that he wrote. And I, and I saw some quotes along the lines of what you were talking about. And there's something so wonderful. It, it, it wasn't just that in order for the art to have life, you have to put it out. He was also letting artists um, be themselves 
him talking about that, right? He was saying, don't worry about making the art that you think this record label wants or that magazine wants or this gallery owner wants. Make the art that you love and then put it out there. Um, and, and that, as a musician, as a songwriter, as a performer, is just like, ah, it's just the nicest thought. You know, because it, it, it lets everyone off the hook, especially for somebody like me and you two playing in ska bands and you playing in reggae and ska bands. It's like we've picked a genre and we study it and we appreciate it and we, and we you know, replicate it. We put ourselves into it, but we're, we're playing a, a genre of music invented by somebody else. Uh, in, in, in our cases, Jamaican music. And, you know, you sort of, you get into this mode of, you know, am I doing it right? Am I doing a good enough job? Am I doing that music a service? Is it authentic sounding? Is it all of these sorts of things? And you've got all this self-doubt. Am I the one to be doing it in the first place? All of these questions. But really, when it comes down to it, we're doing what we love. We're doing what we appreciate, what makes us happy. And we do bring ourselves to it. And, and I think, um, you know, most people hear that and appreciate it. Definitely, and I think too, like like reggae music is it. It's universal now. Like like it's it's one of those things yeah, that sure. you know there are, there are bands all over the world and and Jamaica's you know its origin place and 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 you know no, no that's not saying like oh you don't have to acknowledge that or do that but you acknowledge it but also it's 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 a universal language universal music like you know there there are no, bands there are bands in in Asia right now that are just dedicating decades uh, of their life. They're, you know, people in Baltimore, like, like yourself dedicating your life, you know, and, and you've been doing this since like, I, I, in high school, were you a huge like reggae fan? Like, did, was that something that you were just barely aware of it? I was barely aware yeah. of it. I was into jazz. Yeah. All right. I was a saxophone player. I listened to Sonny Rollins and Charlie Parker and John Coltrane. I studied with John Coltrane's cousin, a Baltimore saxophone player named Carl Grubbs. I went to college to study jazz in New York at the Parsons uh, Jazz Program, Parsons School of Design Jazz Program, with, with incredible people like Chico Hamilton and Reggie Workman, who was John Coltrane's bass player. Um, so jazz was my thing, but Mark was like, Mark Leary was like, "Hey, I'm 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 forming a reggae band. I'd like like you to be in it." And I was like, "You know, cool. I'll be in a band. That sounds fun. I guess I should learn what reggae is." You yeah. know, <laughs> so I had learned. I learned about reggae music by being in a reggae band. Yeah. Obviously, I started listening to it all the time and still do more than any other genre, I think. Um, but at the time that I first joined a reggae band, I really had no experience. And, and, and Mark Leary, for those who are listening to this podcast that know him and for those that don't know him, uh, is, boy, you know, in jazz, there was a, a great jazz drummer named Art Blakey, and he would always have a jazz group called the Jazz Messengers. And that group changed all the time. The only constant was Art Blakey on the drums. And he would bring in new young jazz musicians. Young jazz musicians like um, Wayne Shorter yeah. and Clifford Brown and folks that turned into, you know, the, uh, the uh, Wynton Marsalis and Branford Marsalis were part of the, the jazz messengers when they were young and coming up. And so he used it kind of like a, a school, an institute, if you will, where he would train them up. Uh, and send them on their way, and then he'd bring in a new crop. Well, well, Mark Leary has done the same thing in Baltimore uh, with reggae yeah, music. That's I cannot true. tell you how many musicians have come through Unity Reggae Band, and he has taught them. He taught me everything I know about reggae music. He continues to do that. He's so generous with his time, 
and he's so good at so many different instruments and playing reggae music and understanding the form that it, it's 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 been fantastic. Uh, there was there was one night me and Mark and Murph were were in the van. I don't know. We went somewhere far away, New Jersey or North Carolina or something. It was late one night. We were driving back from a show. And we were like, let's figure out everyone who's ever played in Unity <laughs> Reggae Band. We stopped at around 100 people. <laughs> I mean, literally, there's so many people that have come through that band. Maybe it's just for a show or two, a fill-in or whatever. But it's just been uh, a breeding ground for a lot of a lot of reggae musicians in the Baltimore area. Yeah, and, and my, my buddy Devlin, who played guitar with them, and and maybe yeah. bass. I don't I don't know if he just played. Yeah, guitar. he did a couple yeah, of yeah. times. Yeah, and he, I mean he's <laughs> he 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 has branched out, but Unity was kind of like the first place he got his start uh, uh, when he came to Baltimore and was able yeah. to like just meet so many different people and got a lot of opportunities just just from playing with Mark and, and I think you yep. were probably, in I, I was in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was in unity then. And I went on to got to play with Devlin in the forwards as well. As we talked about everybody's in everybody's band. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a cool thing. And, and, and yeah, Mark, Mark and, and like when Mark joined the players, he, you know, him being like a front person for the players and, and seeing them when they play for him live with Mark, he added a whole another level to the band that I think they still, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, Mark's showmanship, among other things, is is really you know top notch, and a lot of the players kind of tend to blend into the background yeah. with their sort of uh, visual performance, if you will. <laughs> they, the, the the musical performance is incredible, um, but they're not all meant to be frontmen or whatever. And having Mark come out there uh, in front was really uh, fantastic. Yeah, I, I would love I would love to have maybe you and Mark and Murph on to talk about Unity sometime too, because oh, I'm sure be that fun. could be, that'd be fun. you know, because I mean, <laughs> thinking about when you guys started too, there was, I mean, I, I would think the only contemporary you guys would maybe have would be like Jaw Works. It was just probably you and so, Jaw Works, yeah. right? I mean, so we started before Jaw Works and at the time we started, there were in the Baltimore and DC area, I think maybe three reggae bands and the others were actually long-standing bands like Uprising, Third Eye. Um, uh, what was the other big one in uh, Washington whose name is escaping me? But anyway, these were old school guys, been playing it for a long time, coming out of Lion and Fox Studios in yeah. DC. And then there was us. And it was probably, I don't know how many years, not many, just a few years, maybe three or four or five years later, Jaw Works formed. Um, and I remember meeting them when they were just starting. Uh, came up to a Unity show. We were playing the Cross Peak Festival, and they came up with handwritten business cards on index <laughs> cards that said "Jaw Works" on them. So they were just getting started, and it, it wasn't long before they overtook Unity as the number one reggae band in Baltimore, the title which they have not yet relinquished. I think. <laughs> I'm going to check them out Saturday, by the way. Reckless Shepherd in Columbia, Maryland. Yeah, that, that should be great. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, like it, but but it, like people like like unity they they paved the way you, you guys paved the way in a lot of ways for for bands to play like reggae in baltimore and like created like you know opportunities for that to happen you know we, like, we, we had a great we had the great fortune of of getting in with the the guy who managed the old eight by ten yeah and every time a reggae act would come to town he'd give us a call and say hey do you want to open up for him and so we opened up for the whalers when there's still a lot of original whalers in the band uh yellow man Ika Mouse, Muda Baruka, they all came through the eight. Maybe even like Gre open up for Gregory them. Isaacs too, maybe? I don't know. Uh, we opened for Gregory Isaacs somewhere else in Baltimore. Yeah, um, yeah not the 8x10, but we did open up for him. Yeah. 
uh, Burning Spear one time as well. Um, and so that that really put us out there sort of on the reggae scene because everyone who loved reggae would come to those shows, of course, and they'd see us open up. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that's a whole nother, ep, you know, that could be a rabbit hole. You go down another episode. I, love, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I need to, I need to talk to Mark and maybe that would be something really cool because, because I just know when I came in was, a little, you know, it was probably like maybe five to 10 years after that. And from what I've, I've seen the last 25 years, I mean, like, that's, it's amazing. You guys are still out there doing stuff and making music yeah. and that's awesome. So can I ask uh, about this project? If people want to purchase it, is it available? Are you going to, is it going to be released on Bandcamp? What's the best way for people to purchase? So really all the, all the standard platforms that you would, you would normally go to, obviously you can stream on all those streaming platforms. Uh, in terms of purchasing the record as a whole, you know, go to iTunes store, Apple music or whatever you can, you can get the whole record that way once it's released um, probably in a few weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I would love it for folks to, to stream, download, however you prefer to listen to music and, and check it out. Again, the third, third single will probably be out in a few days. It's Cabin Down Below. And then a few weeks after that, you know, we're getting into the holidays. I'm not sure what the best timing is on all of that, but sometime after that, I'll, I'll release the, the full album. And, uh, the people can also follow like your, the social media too, you have, uh, to, yep. to follow on, on Instagram. It's uh, music by David Saunier, uh, is where you can find me on Instagram. Um, and so please definitely come check that out. Give me a follow, you know, uh, I certainly announce when the new tracks are up and, uh, talk about, you know, working with the players and the forwards and even unity and musical influences. I was shouting out my favorite reggae band, the loving poppers today. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a new album that just came out a few weeks ago, which is incredible as expected. Yeah, it's up for, um, a, it's up for a Grammy. That's pretty cool. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Grammy consideration. So, yeah. um, well-deserved obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, they, 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 uh, Dan and, and uh, Jorge you mentioned and Kelly and all of them just they make incredible incredible music uh, it's, it's a really it's a great vibe you know I was listening to their, their record a lot this week and uh, something I really appreciated about it was just and it and really goes with their previous album as well how much they just immediately developed their sound. You can immediately, it, it has such an identity as the Loving Poppers. They did such a great job with that. I'm proud of them and proud to know them and love to listen to their music whenever I can. Yeah, and I, I think I think too, like like this, the album, this album you have, it, it has it has its own sound and vibe to it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Thank new you. stuff to hear after this too, David. So th thanks so much for coming thanks. on and being ah, a part of this you. yeah what an honor yeah appreciate it um can i can we close it out with maybe one song uh you haven't talked about and uh, um that we could maybe play play at the end of this episode uh what would be something yeah, what song would be a good one that we haven't talked about um how about um the drummer in the forwards mark levine and the percussion player in the players he said his uh favorite song that i did was crawling back to you so maybe we'll do that one cool i'll play a couple we'll, we'll fade it out into that so awesome well th all right thanks again thank you so much Rob. Take care.
you let it 